so hey, I'm done with my announcements, and you're all, thank goodness, get off the stage. But you guys don't get to leave, and you shouldn't want to leave, because tonight there is somebody that has been a part of our program around here for quite a while. When I first met her, she was the quietest woman I've ever met in my life. And the more I get to know her, the more I hear her speak, the more I hear her share her story, the more I love and appreciate her. And you guys need to hear her story. Will you guys please welcome Sue as she comes to the stage. My name is Sue. Would you, would you please pray with me? Father, we come before you praising your great name. You are the way to life and freedom. I love you and I surrender this time to you for you to do what you want to do with this, your story. May this time glorify you. I ask that you would calm my nerves so that I can speak about what you have done in my life. Lord, do what only you can do through this testimony. Thank you that you go before me because I could not do this alone. Thank you for loving us and knowing right where we are so that you can speak into our lives at just the right time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. I am a grateful believer in Jesus Christ and I am celebrating recovery from childhood sexual and emotional abuse. I am an adult child of a dysfunctional family. I've struggled with perfectionism, procrastination, pride, self-worth, lack of self-esteem, anger, rage, depression, and overspending. I have often stuffed my feelings with food. I was drawn to celebrate recovery in 2010. I kept seeing a flyer in the bulletin here at Big Valley's church services that included recovery from overeating as one of the issues which was addressed. It was a flyer for CR. That was the issue that got me through these doors of CR. So I came. I felt led by God to look into how CR could help me with my life. I had heard CR talked about from the pulpit here at Big Valley, but never thought it sounded like something for me. I even went to a Life's Healing Choices seminar put on by CR here one weekend. But of course, I came then with my daughter and for my daughter. So I came. I came when I couldn't understand how it could possibly help. I wasn't sure why I was here, even though I felt that there was something here for me. So I came. I could not share out loud. I could not get the words out. So I came. I began making myself share something, even if it was just sharing that it was hard for me to talk. So I came, and I would cry all the way home. I couldn't understand how it worked. I would turn my Christian music up really loud in my car on my way home from CR, the first few weeks I attended, and I would cry out to God to help me understand. So I came, I heard encouragement to get into a step study. I got into a step study a month after I had started coming. So I came. I heard get a sponsor, so I tried to get a sponsor even before I started my step study. Remember, I am a perfectionist. She didn't say no and she didn't say yes, so I felt rejected. That was my lack of self-esteem. So I came, God was leading me the whole time. I could not understand, but his pull was great. I heard in the bi-weekly lessons that I needed to give back to church or CR in some way. So I did. I began greeting with my husband on Sunday mornings here at Big Valley. I would never have done this before I attended CR. 
I was one of those people who avoided shaking hands with the greeter at all cost. I would shimmy in the door close to my husband on the opposite side of the greeter with my arms crossed over my Bible in front of me. How ironic to be prompted at CR by God to even serve in that area. At that time, church seemed a safer place to serve, and I wasn't ready yet to serve at CR for anyone to see me here. It was in my step study that I learned that I needed to give back to CR here on Tuesdays. By this time, I had encouraged, been encouraged to attend the women's open share group for physical, emotional, and sexual abuse by a lay counselor here at the church. I eventually asked to help facilitate that open share. So I came, then I asked to help facilitate a step study after I finished mine. God was leading me the whole time. God was prompting me in the ways he wanted me to go. I was born in Indiana to a grain and livestock farmer and his introverted wife. We were very poor. My dad was a strict disciplinarian and spoke mostly with sarcasm. I was mostly afraid of him. My mother was a shy, obedient wife who, had, who I feel suffered from depression herself. I never really felt that I knew my parents. The one time that I thought that they may have loved me was when they paid for art lessons for me. I knew they couldn't afford it. They had seven other children to feed. My mother never told me that she loved me until in my 20s after I had gotten married and moved to California. The one and only time that my father told me that he loved me was when I was 30. My husband and I were saying our goodbyes after being back in Indiana for a visit. I had initiated a hug to my dad, and when we hugged, he said, I love you. He died one month later. That was a gift from the Lord. God has blessed me with a wonderful talent of art. He has felt, it has felt like a confirmation of his love throughout the years. It's something I can't explain. It's a gift and has been very positive for my life. It has sustained me through the years and helped me to know that God loves me because he gave me such a talent. I have been able to use this gift as a career for the past 36 years. Even when I doubted myself or didn't like myself, art was always a constant in my life. I was molested when I was six by my oldest brother. I spent my life making sure that no one would notice me so that no one would get any ideas to want to molest me. I hid. I blamed myself for being a girl, and I felt that that was why I was even molested. I would dress in very loose clothing so no one would see my shape. I would not walk in front of people for fear that they would look at me. I would wait until my road had no cars coming before I crossed the road to get the mail because I didn't want anyone driving by to know that a female lived there. My life was filled with trying to not be noticed in order to feel safe. For you see, I am an introvert. Before I came to CR, I did not get up in front of people. I did not lead. It was hard to speak in front of more than one person. I didn't walk in front of people for fear of someone looking at me, for fear, period. I was painfully shy in school and at church. I was a good listener. I stuffed my feelings. I stuffed my thoughts. One would think that growing up in a family of 10 that I would know how to socialize, but what I learned best was how to isolate. That was one of my coping mechanisms. I spent a lot of time alone in my room. I cussed a lot, another coping skill. It helped me to get my anger out. I would cuss out a string of words that would have made you blush coming from the mouth of a very young girl. I remember sitting on the swing set in my parents' yard thinking that I was 10 years old and I felt that I had been cussing all my life. I was very convicted that this was wrong. 
but it would stay with me for a lifetime, even if it just lessened. Today, since being in CR and having a closer relationship with the Lord, it has lessened quite a bit, and I can tell you, actually, that when I am in the Word on a daily, in His Word on a daily basis, it's not a problem as when I am not in His Word. I used to ask God to help me to stop cussing. Little did I know that He wanted me to see that it was something as simple as being in His Word daily. This aligns with principle seven that says, reserve a daily time with God for self-examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. I know how profoundly I've chosen my experiences to shape my life to the point of self-condemnation and letting my childhood sexual abuse define me. I would tell myself that I needed to get back inside myself when I would speak and regret speaking. Today, I try to listen to God more and take those kind of things, thoughts captive. He tells me in Job 33, 33, listen to me, keep silence, and I will teach you wisdom. He also tells me in John 10, 10, that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. My parents did not attend church or use God's name in our home except to use his name as a curse word. A neighbor and his wife across the road started taking my sisters and I to church. My dad allowed the, church, the girls to go to church because we belonged in the house, but heavily discouraged my brothers from going to church. He said he needed them on the farm and that it was sissy for them to go. It was at church that as a little girl, I came to know Jesus through a loving second grade school, Sunday school teacher. I soaked in everything I could possibly get. I looked so forward to getting to go each week. I knew that there was a God that loved a little girl named Sue Ann. It was a young Christian college student preaching at a spring revival at my church that led me to accept Christ and to be obedient through baptism when I was in the seventh grade. This young college student gave me a sheet of paper in which I filled my name into the blanks. When I was done, it said, for God so loved Sue Ann that he gave his only begotten son so that if Sue Ann could should believe in him that Sue Ann would have eternal life. John 3, 16. I was in love with the Lord and wanted to do something for God's kingdom. My first year of college was at a Christian college. That one year prepared me for the rest of my life because I was blessed with a roommate who truly had a personal relationship with the Lord and taught me how important it was to have fellowship, prayer, and graciousness. That was the first time I had really seen what a personal relationship with the Lord looked like. The next year, I transferred to a university for my major. It was at this university's Christian campus house that I met my house husband, Brian, the first week I was there. I feel that our meeting each other was planned by God because we only had that one semester to get the chance to meet. He was a believer and had been raised in a very Christ, um, stable Christian home. There were times that I doubted that I was good enough for him. Fortunately, I decided to accept this gift of a godly man as my husband, and we were married 44 years ago. I was only 10. <laughs> a, a year later, we moved to Modesto. God has blessed us with three wonderful children, a wonderful son-in-law, and four beautiful grandchildren. At times, the enemy tells me that my story pales next to yours, and that I cannot stand up here on this platform before you and tell my story, that my life is still not together enough to be up here, that who am I to get up and tell you what God has done in my life and wants to do in my life? But in Isaiah 110, 
I have to remind myself to listen to the Lord, hear what he is telling you. In my old ways, I would listen to the enemy. Today, I use that verse to take captive those thoughts. But remember, I'm not so different from you. I need a savior just as you do. I need a God who loves me. I have brokenness that needs healing just as you do. When I went to my first CR conference, I couldn't figure out how I could feel so alone in such a huge crowd when I thought I had grown so much in the previous two years. It felt like a women's retreat under disguise. Because you see, I had told my husband years ago to not let me go to another women's retreat again because everyone I tried to go to, I was miserable. I'm an introvert and I did not like crowds of interacting people. I have also always felt so alone in big groups. I felt that I had taken 12 steps forward and 10 steps backwards. Then I realized that it was a part that God wanted to heal, that he wanted me to have victory in that area too, that he meant it to be a stepping stone, stone, sorry, not a roadblock for my recovery. God is still working on that in my life, and there are times that I still have to remind myself that today is a new day and that that was the old day when I would exit the room to cry. Today, he more often helps me to stay in the room and be present. The Lord gave me this scripture that came that same week at Summit. Deuteronomy 30.20 says, You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. I received this as a daily scripture that came on my phone. The next week, I was watching a movie at a theater, and one of the lines was, I did not give you the map and key for you to hold on to the memories. Wow, when I heard this, it was like the air was knocked out of my lungs. God was gently telling me to not hold on to my painful memories. The map is his word, the Bible, and he is the key to my life. He did not give me his word and a relationship with him for me to hold on to the painful memories. The Lord has amazingly enabled me to co-facilitate in the groups here, and it is only by his grace that I'm able to do this. He has brought me so far from who I was to someone he can use. I have learned a lot from co-facilitating four-step studies and open share on Tuesdays. Mostly, I have learned to get out of the way so that God can work his plan in the women's lives in these groups, not my plan or my desire for their lives. I actually began my recovery 35 years ago. It began when I went to a lay counselor in a small church we were attending to talk with him about my depression and the fact that it was often holding me down in the darkest, deepest pit. It was then that he put a name on what was behind the depression. He said, you've been molested. The name I have always put on it was shame and guilt. He shared with me about a community support group. I went through that program as an adult child of molest. But it wasn't faith-based. I went through that program as an adult. Oh, sorry, but it wasn't, um, sorry. It mostly helped me to get out of denial and to speak about it out loud in the share groups. I also attended a seminar here at Big Valley that helped me to bring the stronghold of depression in my life to break it. It was then that I learned how to claim the blood of Jesus and how to tell Satan to flee from me because I am a child of God. I tell the enemy that he cannot have me because I belong to God. This works for me to this day for depression, but I still craved interaction with other believers to let me know that I was not alone. 
I feel like I have been looking for CR and what it teaches my whole life. Once I found it, all I had to do was to keep coming back and to follow the 12 steps because it is the path to life lived for the Lord. He has changed me and given me new life. I found a place that I belong. Through other people's honesty, it has made it a safe place for me to be honest about my brokenness, my hurts, hangups, hang and habits. And because I've seen other people's honesty, I have been able to let my walls down and let people in. I know that some people have seen my quietness as me being unapproachable. It has been from the fear of not being able to talk and make sense when I speak out loud, fear of trusting. He is slowly changing me. me. He is giving me a confidence that I have never had before. I think it has to do with the selfishness in my life. It had been all about me in the past. Through working the steps, I began to focus on what God's plan is and not so much about my own plan. I am learning to surrender daily to the most wonderful God who cares for me and has a plan for my life. In Joel 2.25, he says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. Recently, I came across an old journal entry and I'd like to share it with you. It was during my secular recovery in my late 20s that another counselor encouraged me to journal. This was one of my entries. Despair, sometimes the pain seems like too much to bear. I hurt, how do I stop the hurting? At times, it seems as if maybe there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And then too often, a monster blocks the way. I feel so defeated, so helpless. Where do I go? Where do I run? Where do I turn? I feel so numb. It hurts so much to let it hurt. If I can't bear to go forward, where do I go? Where can I go? I can't bear to go forward because I might lose my mind. Then what would I have? What do I have now? If I let myself feel, if I let myself cry, if I let myself feel anything, I might just lose what control I do have. It's so scary. It's like something inside me is dead. Something I made to stop growing a long time ago. Something no one ever told me how to nurture. Something no one allowed me to experience. Feelings, emotions, caring, love, really feeling anything. If I can't love, if I can't care, if I can't really feel anything, then how can I hate so much, despise so much, be so bitter? Why can I feel these things and not the good things? After I read this entry to my counselor, she asked me to journal um, another time. And she said, journal about what I will be like when I'm better. This is what I wrote. Able to help someone else through the pain. Able to function as a normal person. Able to function as a mother. Able to have and make friends. Able to hug someone other than my husband and my two children with no guilt or odd feelings. Able to create more good memories with my two children than bad ones. Able to get somewhere on time. Able to build others up and not tear them down. Able to trust others. Able to not be afraid to go to sleep at night. Able to be an early riser and have the desire to be an early riser. Able to have daily quiet time, prayer time. Despair will be a feeling I won't have to experience. God will take all the hurt and pain and make it count for something. There will be a light at the end of the tunnel and will shine on all sides of my soul and body. 
The monster will be defeated, not I. I will have received help from God through his word, prayer, and true good friends. I will not have to go anywhere or run away. I will be where he wants me to be. I will have let myself feel the hurt to let myself feel something. To make a new beginning, I will have gone forward to be the best I can be, the person the Lord knows I am. I will have allowed myself to cry to feel deeply for others, to trust others, to truly love my husband and two children. I will give up the obsession to have control for fear of failure and rejection. I will not be scared. I will live life. I will feel alive. I will have let my emotions and feelings grow and be nurtured by God's love, my husband's love, my children's love, and friends' love. I will allow myself to feel. I will care for others and myself. I will love others and myself. I will crowd out the hate and bitterness in my heart and replace them with love and forgiveness. I will try to understand the very people I can't seem to understand today. I will be aware of ridding myself of bad thoughts and replace them with good thoughts and feelings. I will have given God the control panel and said, mold me and make me after your will. Because then I will finally be flexible enough that he can truly do that. When I found this old uh, journal entry a couple of years, well, it's probably been four years ago, I couldn't believe how much of what I will be like when I am better was in line with what God has done in my life since I've come to CR. About 90% of the things that I wrote about, 90 to 95, um, what I would be like has, have happened. I'm so grateful for how the Lord has worked in my life and given me so much healing. Music has ministered to me greatly through the years. When I've not understood my life and when I've been in the despairs of my life, God has often spoken to me through music. He's brought me healing through it. I'm also grateful for the music here at CR as part of my recovery. There was a time that I couldn't sing the words to the song, I am free to run on, Tues uh, on Tuesday nights, but today I can sing those words. I experienced a miracle in my life in 2018. I had forgiven my brother in my heart for molesting me. But I had always felt a need to be able to tell him that personally. Since I lived 2,800 miles away from him, I knew it would have to be a time that I went back to visit my family. In 2016, when I went home, because my mother was in the hospital, I really felt that I was ready to speak with him, but I was actually afraid that he would laugh at me and say, you're crazy, or, or deny it. Once there, I felt that the Lord told me that it was not time to talk to him. I felt like he was telling me that it was okay if I never spoke to him about it. I had closure. Fast forward to February of 2018, when I flew to Indiana because my mother was not doing well. She ended up going to be the, with the Lord two weeks later. After the funeral, the Lord just ushered me up to my brother, and the words just came out of my mouth. I said to my brother, I don't know if you remember what you did to me all those years ago, but I just want to tell you that I have forgiven you. Do you know what his response was? He said, yes, I've thought about it many times, and I'm sorry. I hugged him. Thank you. I hugged him and I cried. Yes, this was the person who had taken my innocence away at six years of age. 
This could only have been possible from a loving God. This was a miracle which has given me so much healing in my life because I felt totally released for the prison I had put myself into. And because I surrendered to his timing, the timing was perfect. I have been told by a few people throughout my life that God had a purpose for my, my life. Like my dear friend Jane, who gave me this scripture many years ago, Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for good, not for evil, plans for hope and a future. I believe that God has a plan for my life. Step three of the 12 steps was huge for me. I made a decision to turn my life and my will over to the care of God. To learn to surrender daily was a different concept for me because I had thought that when I first accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, that I had surrendered and that was all that was needed. But I learned through the steps that I need to turn my life over to him by surrendering, surrendering to him each and every new day. This step is about daily surrender of my fear-based control. The control that I thought I had because of fear kept me from enjoying life. So when I release this control daily to God, I can experience freedom. I can experience hope. Step 11 is about surrender for me also. I sought through prayer and meditation to improve my conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for me and the power to carry that out. I had to surrender this testimony to him to be given tonight because it's, because it's really his story and I'm just the storyteller. It's truly him who gives me the power to carry this out tonight. Who would have imagined that I would be up here in front of you willingly speaking to this large group, getting my words out without going blank? He enables me to do what I could not do for myself because I have surrendered to him tonight. I want to thank, first of all, my husband, Brian, for loving me unconditionally for the past 44 years, even when he did not know. It's a long time. What he was getting himself into all those years ago. For loving me through all my issues and struggles, I would not be at this place in my life had you not loved me with your perfect love. I love you. Thank you to our three children who have loved their mother even when she was unlovable. Thank you to every godly counselor that guided me to the next level of my recovery over the years. Thank you to my first sponsor who listened to my first inventory and did not judge me. Thank you for saying yes. Thank you to my sponsor now who I was brave enough to go back to after a year to re-ask her to be my sponsor. She has spoken truth into my life when I have needed it. She has often started her sentences by saying, you may not like this, but I think. Thank you for your honesty, your encouragement, love, and wisdom. Thank you to my special accountability girlfriend that I do Zoom with. You know who you are. To my sponsees, thank you for what you teach me and for being so gracious and being willing. I'm going to not look up, I guess. Um, to confirm with the Lord whether what I speak is truth. And to all of you gals that I have been in step studies and share groups with, you have touched my life so deeply these past 11 years. Thank you for affirming me, challenging me, loving me, for speaking truth into my life. 
Thank you for letting me share my hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Thank you for allowing me into your lives enough to be comfortable sharing your hurts, hang-ups, and habits. Thank you to everyone who has served in the CR Bookstore and on the offering team with me. It could not be done without you all. Thank you to our TEAM, who I have the privilege of serving alongside of. Thank you to all of you for showing up to do your recovery. To the newcomer, I encourage you to come and get into a share group and share. Make yourself share if you have to. Come and get a sponsor that you can trust and relate to. Get into a step study. Come and trust the process. Cry out to God. Come and turn your music that's Christian up loud in your car when you don't understand the process when you leave here, and he will speak to you and reassure you. Listen to God's voice. Come and cry. And as Winston Churchill once said, never, never, never give up. To the person who hasn't given their testimony yet, I would encourage you to choose surrender and obedience over fear. It's such a freeing process that I hope you get to experience. This is a story that he is writing with my life. I want to thank the Lord and give him all the glory for my recovery. I was not alive before I walked into these rooms of recovery. I was living in shame and guilt and hurt. Because of him, I am alive today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for letting me share. Let's hear for Sue one more time. I remember my first trip down to Saddleback with her and uh, it is awesome to see the Lord transform you and shape you. And thank you for sharing your story with us tonight. As you stand, or if you're not standing yet, stand up and let's close with the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever the next. Amen. Amen.